Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. I'm Ron Algar Watt, and this is More Bits. Michelle Baradouage is one of those guys like Ed Casey, whom I think it's interesting to check in with every so often. Here, he shares his insights about, among other things, the marketing and advertising of artistic ventures. Neither of us is exactly in a position to share any surefire tips for success, but I think we hit on a lot of important points nonetheless. So yeah, I think it's interesting for you and I to discuss marketing just because neither of us is exactly swimming in Scrooge McDuck <laughs> levels of money you know, thanks to our creative endeavors. Let, let's just say that the thesis for this episode of Morbits is marketing for people who suck. By people who suck. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we're necessarily providing any, like, how-to, because we don't know how-to, obviously. Yeah. We have had, it's, let's say, minor successes here and there, but they are not yeah. in any way indicative of our future success. And well, we just try to figure us... it out. Neither of us is supporting ourselves solely on our creative endeavors. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes. And that would be my measure of success. You know, if can right. I pay all the bills I need? Sure. Then I'll be happy. Yep. And I am nowhere close to that. If anything, if you balanced what I take in versus what I mm. pay out, I, I have been operating at a loss since I started. Right. And hopefully you're, you know, you're doing a little better than that. But um, uh, no, art supplies and so forth, maybe not. No, it it uh, it's a it's a matter where we had let's say this in in the background. Um, my brother and I we work as full time graphic designers. We have done for the last now fifteen years, I think, uh, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, so let's say between two thousand three and two thousand seven, we worked a lot. In terms mm-hmm. of just bread and butter work, nothing, you know, like nothing to make me famous, nothing I can, you know, say that, oh, I worked with this client and that. And right. that generated enough income for us to pay a fair amount of the bills. I won't say that, you know, all of them. Uh, okay, for, but if you're, in a, if you're in a situation where you're living with a few people, at least yeah. you can pull your share. Yes. We were, we were, you know, making do with our share for a good while there. Uh-huh. And, and we, now, we uh, now things are, well, since 2008, it was a bit rocky there. Um, mm-hmm. Things are, you know, slowly getting better. Um, and I think uh, sort of bringing it back to uh, this uh, this whole marketing thing, I think it's because we started in some ways marketing ourselves better. Not okay. necessarily more, but we were... I'll give you an example. Um, a few, uh, about a year ago, I went to India and I met some people from Twitter that I'd known for years on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And at least a couple of them did not know what I do. Really? Yes. And they they were, and it's not like they were doctors or engineers where they didn't have anything to do. They were in advertising. They had their own digital marketing agencies. You know, these are people mm-hmm. who should necessarily know that I'm in graphic design. And I thought that was uh, that was an interesting thing that, you know, that despite me constantly, to my mind, constantly saying things about my work and 
who right. I am and you know that I'm available online pretty much all the time that was clearly not being communicated it's really interesting to me too how I always feel like I'm pushing what I do way too much like I'm yes. constantly talking about it and then someone will say oh I, I didn't see that this particular thing was out now like wh what do you mean I, I said it 30 <laughs> times I'm I'm trying so hard not to bombard you with it that maybe I'm not doing it enough I, I don't know yeah that that is the crux of it I now my brother and I we are uh, obviously we're still you know working as graphic designers but we're sort of exploring different avenues of things um, of, of things that we were always been passionate about like in terms of craft like you know he's he's uh, into paper craft a lot now and yes it comes down to just saying that you are every day putting up a picture of you know a piece of cut paper or whatever your field you're in and just right. constantly you know putting it out there <laughs> Well, and that's been my approach all along. And a lot of people have been sort of skeptical. A lot of the people I work with are mm. sort of skeptical. Like, you're not advertising a lot. Like, apart from announcing when a thing is out, that's yeah. it. It's always, like, my thing is always, okay, we're finished. What's next? And it's, yeah. like, to me, the best way to advertise is to consistently put out a, a high-quality product and to just keep doing that until people can, like, start noticing yeah. it. And I think for a long time, the people I was working with didn't really understand that that could work and then we had we had a, a you know our success at the uh, emerald city comic-con this year where we filled a room of 250 some people and and they had to turn people away and it's like this comes from gradually building like it took us six years to get there yes but people are starting to notice and that's one example of you know like that that's a small thing that we did but that's a that's a tangible thing i can say look yeah. my way works it just works very slowly Yes, I think consistency is the is the key to uh, at least fifty percent of it. I'd say, you know, maybe more. Uh, but at the beginning, I think consistency is at least fifty percent of it, because you, we we all know, and we and I definitely am that person, you know, who has abandoned something after six months or only done mm -hmm. one blog post on something when I said I'd do ten, and you know, um, but. Doing it, setting a schedule, putting things out every week or every month or even every quarter, whatever it is, and just getting it out there is yeah important. Well, and and I think this is the, I, I think this is a whole new thing that's evolved from the internet and from yes. like this whole idea of being a one man band of being hmm. I create the content, I, I promote the content, I could ideally make money from the content all by myself yes is it did not exist 15 years ago no it did not not in the way that it was accessible to people like us you know right. if if the internet did not exist i would be just in a job somewhere you right know? me too i would not be even attempting to do anything commercial let's say out of the the passions that i have yeah it's um uh, you you know Zay Frank, right? I mean, yes. not personally, but yes. you know who he is. He um he made an offhand reference in one of his videos uh, to this. He was talking about this, mm. and he did a little cutaway joke where he said, "The means of production are in hands of the workers," and it's like that's funny, but it's also entirely true. Yes, like we now ha like you now have the means to create any visual thing you want within. I mean, within certain means. But yeah, 
and reach as wide an audience as you know like yeah. you have you have basically unlimited horizons and it's all on you now yeah and and you know we can we could get into let's say commercially the this that side of marketing as well but unless you have something to show you right. know you're never going to <laughs> well and we all roll our eyes when corporate types say content but really it is yeah. it's about content it's about having something to market yeah it's it's about having something to market and also on the commercial side it's about having something to sell um, right. a good example of this um the same the we've been working on my brother and I, we've been working on various like pieces of original art he's been working on paper craft i've been doing you know little my usual uh, comic book style sketches um mm-hmm. and uh, we we have contacts here in dubai where i live um who have let's say an, an etsy like store you know it's a it's a they sell handmade work they're called idena they're uh, run by mm-hmm. people who are now now friends of ours um oh, nice. and recently uh, in in march there is a comic con in dubai right. uh, the middle east film and comic con it's been growing it's in it, it was in its fifth year this year um mm-hmm. i think eventually about 50000 people showed up for that thing wow and there were pieces of uh, work from us one of my pieces sold uh, one of my mm-hmm. brother's pieces sold um, and his piece was a large um let's say nearly 2 foot by 2 foot uh, box frame if you can imagine uh mm-hmm. with super mario world 1.1 paper craft in it so it's like a 3d almost uh, right. super mario level in there um mm-hmm. and the thing that when we talked to uh, the people who were running that uh, because they had a the stall there at the comic con they said that a a lot of the they were surprised because they're also doing this for the first time they have an online store but this is the first time they were doing one of these you know big shows they mm-hmm. were surprised by how much people wanted things now <laughs> you know it's like people would come up and my brother's uh, super mario artwork sold on the first day so uh-huh. but they kept it there and they put a sold sign and they kept it for you know for the 3 days of the show mm-hmm. and on the second and third day they got literally maybe 20 to 50 people you know overall who would come in and say i really want that and they'd say oh that's that's this one is sold but you know we can uh we can take an order for a custom one you know down the road when he's back in because we were out of town uh um, right you know and it'll be the same cost as this and they're like no no i'm not interested i want it now no i've definitely noticed that as well in in the convent i mean we do emerald city every year yes. and we've done a handful of other shows and yeah there's very much that immediacy there's very much like It, that's what makes it difficult for us to market a podcast yes. because it's it's so passive it's so go home and download this yeah and that's why we hand them at least CDs which again you have to listen to later but it's something people really want buttons for instance hmm. which i was reluctant to do because who wants a button with a logo from a show they've never heard of but apparently the answer is a lot of people yes and those are all avenues that i don't think about or you didn't think about until someone came up to you and said i wanted a button Yeah, you know, I want No, what what happened was the guy next to us had them and they just they they went like crazy. And this like uh two years ago I started giving them out. I was completely wrong. I admitted to all the people mm. with me like I I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Here you go. Free buttons and everyone loved them and like but you don't even know what 
the post-atomic horror is. What do you want a button for? I just, I want a button. Yeah. Okay. And it's that immediacy. It's that here is a free thing I can have. And they, they just wanted it. And it's the same with buying stuff, I think, too. It is. I mean, even let's say next year you go back with your buttons and they're, you know, a dollar, 50 cents. I don't know how much, you know, it would be. Right now they're giveaways. But if we had bigger ones, we'd probably sell them. Yeah. You know, if they were, I think people would still buy them because they're, they're, Mm -hmm. At some level, we we overvalue the we overvalue the entire brand of it. You know, when you think that someone wants your button, you think okay, they want to be fans of the post atomic horror or right. sarcastic voyage or my. Let's say if someone came up to me and wanted some of my work, at some level they don't care. They just want the button. And right, they want the thing. Yeah, and it's it's in some ways it's. It hurts. It it hurts us because we're we think no no you must love all of me. <laughs> well, and that's I think part of the problem of being the artist and yes. the advertiser is you are you are so invested in the product that if they don't yeah. see it exactly the way you want them to see it, it, it hurts a little bit. Yeah, it, it is a problem. It's also something you you can be aware of and. Uh, understand that that is your role to play in it right you know in, in literally in the past week i've had two conversations with two different uh, potential clients about pieces of marketing for them not for me mm-hmm. and in both cases i was underestimating how much of a commercial aspect to it was there you know they were telling me things like okay we want to sell this and how are people going to buy this and you know and I'm saying you don't try to sell it you try to you know I was Don Drapering the whole thing you know <laughs> I was like no no there's a concept and it's this and it'll make people feel better and then they, with your logo at the end they'll buy it right and I don't know if I'm right and I don't know if they're right and neither of us could be but mm-hmm. maybe both of us could be you know I as long as I stick to making that piece of marketing aesthetically good and you know nice enough for people to in this case share online or whatever you know or, or mm-hmm. tell their friends about i've done my job right as the problem happens when i start you know thinking that the commercial aspect to it is muddying my work or is devaluing my work or is too on the nose you know yeah i can i can see what you mean i, I for me like the the best the most effective marketing that doesn't make me feel like I'm doing that is yes. just here is a sample of the content now come come get more of it like yes like when I when I for instance uh, uh, commission you to do an illustration for me it is usually an illustration that represents something that I've made that you're extrapolating a visual element of right. people will see that and hopefully go listen to what's behind that image like that's yes. the idea. Yes, and that is definitely what I try to do whenever I do work for you. I mm-hmm. try to make sure as much as possible that it is within, let's say, the brand image of Algar Productions. Right, and because you and I have, have known each other for so long and worked together for so long, I think, and we, we do share a sense of humor and a certain yeah. basic aesthetic tastes, I think, not completely, but somewhat, hmm. there's definitely a common ground there. That I think you have a pretty good idea of where I'm coming from, so I don't feel like, like I feel like if I give you the basic idea, right? You'll that still gives you enough freedom to feel like, oh God, I'm not just like, 
okay, he's given me way too little money to draw this exact thing, and there's no artistic merit to this whatsoever. I'm like, no, you know what? Draw me something Star Trek, and I'll give you a couple bucks. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I'm well on record as saying that I will draw any Star Trek that anyone chooses to. <laughs> right yeah, to but I, I, <laughs> Vishal. I, I like giving you that freedom. Yes. And I enjoy because using that freedom to deliver something at once unexpected and, you know, well within the... Uh, but see, that's the thing. You know we're funny and a little odd yes. and we do Star Trek. And that those are your, really your criteria and you get yes. to do, you know... Do So as a... As an artist slash illustrator slash designer slash advert, like whatever you want to call that, hmm. do you prefer things like that? Or do you prefer when a client comes to you and says, here is my exact list of very specific demands? I prefer the former, definitely, because the, the list of demands is definitely encroaching on my territory in some ways. I've had clients <laughs> like that. And, and contradicting each other, I'm yes. sure. Contradicting most of the time, it is you know, literally we were. Yeah, here are ten bullet points, and five of them contradict the other five. Yes, and I can literally show you emails that I've gotten from clients in the past six months from one client, especially uh, mm -hmm. where that happened, where it was you know oh, we want to be passionate and big and that, and then we want to be personal, and you know, <laughs> and no. all of those bullet points rarely mean anything. Yeah. Because well, I, I can I can understand that as a client, you know, why they want to put that down on a piece of paper or a piece of email. They are mm -hmm. trying very much to uh, figure out the unknown to them. You know, they're mm -hmm. not designers. They, they, they're usually in management or something like that. You know, that bullet point is the only tool or language they have. And yes, it is my job to interpret that bullet point but many times it's you know it's not it's not what they want either they're just trying to fill up an email well and i think you you're kind of hitting on something that and I, correct me if i'm wrong but this is definitely something that has turned me off to the whole idea of marketing advertising that sort of thing and i suspect you as well hmm. just the fact that so much of it seems to be meaningless buzzwords like completely someone uh, someone told me not too long ago they worked for a big company and the the boss came in and said uh, i want you guys to make a video and i want it to be viral yeah like wh oh. what does what does that mean how do you make <laughs> a viral video that's yeah. not how it works yes i uh, this is something that i have heard from other people in my field and it's always as a joke it's like oh yeah they came in and they wanted a viral Mm -hmm. They wa they wanted fifteen virals. That's the, that's the thing. They read in a magazine or an, on yeah. a, you know the Wall Street Journal website or whatever that viral videos get millions of hits and like yeah. oh well I want one of those. Well, that's not how it works. No. And and it, it's yeah. it's my job to sort of try as best as I can to del deliver on that. You know, as as a designer, as a let's say a creative person, there are many many, but. There's no guarantee there, and that's mm -hmm. very hard to uh, that's very hard to convey to other people, and also it, it's very hard to convey for our own things. You know, if you sure. if I wanted to make a viral video, I really I'm not really sure where to start. No, that's the thing about the internet is things 
take off like you can't predict what people are going to like uh, for yes. instance my, my wife does photography and she has a photo blog where she mm. posts one picture a day and she tries to vary the subject matter she does some nature stuff she does some portraits she does some live events and she never knows like one picture out of say 10 yes will get a ton of likes on Tumblr and it's never the same thing twice. It's never the same kind of thing. Like it's, it's impossible to tell what's going to get, you know, those little thumbs up, those little hearts, whatever, whatever yeah. platform you're on, you know? And, and it's the same with me with podcasts, like certain things do really, really well and certain things do not. And I imagine you see the same with illustrations and, and design Definitely. and stuff. Definitely. It's like, why do you like this? This took 30 seconds. And the thing I spent, <laughs> Two weeks on, yes. you didn't even notice. Yeah, the 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 return on investment in terms of time spent and all that is very unpredictable. Uh, oh, no, it's super predictable for me. It is <laughs> d literally inversely proportionate. Right. The thing, the, I mean, I this sounds like a joke. I swear it's not. No, it, it's it's true for me as well. The, the thing, thing that takes no time at all, my, my cartoon reviews take literally an hour, maybe an hour and a half to do get more attention than say a radio play that takes me two weeks to develop from start to finish hmm. and and everything else sort of falls in between there the more work i put into it the less attention it gets and it's i i can't figure it out I just, yeah i i don't insane. think i don't think anyone can it's like let's let's say in like viral videos you have you know apps and games now that just break through like flappy bird is the big example <laughs> yeah uh -huh. Um, there's another and one. And what, what, why? Like, yeah. why? Yeah, I'm sure I mean, you played that or at least saw it. Like, wh I played it, yes. I played, I played the other one that was also recently uh, famous that was more polished and made, you know, it's called Crossy Road. It's basically Frogger. Okay. And I, as far as I remember, that was the breakout hit for that one guy. And it's not like he, you know, benefited from the afterglow of that, you know, like the rest of his games that are still on the App Store mm -hmm. became big hits because of that. It's just that one. Oh, no, and you'll see that too. If you look at people with viral videos, you'll see yeah. the one video gets 8 million hits and then yeah. the other things they have have a few thousand. Yep. And, like, I tried to capitalize off that. I have certain things on YouTube that do really well. And so, okay, all these people are subscribed to my channel, so I'm going to start putting ads in for other things. Uh, you know, ads, like, in the form of content samples, not just a commercial. Yeah. And I'll see if that were. No, they just don't click on them. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. I We are getting to, uh, maybe people have always been like this, but at least in the world we are in right now, it the particle is more important than the stream. Hmm. You know, you want people obviously to subscribe to you and like you and start building an email list. And every every marketer, you know, every online marketer says that you should do these things. You should start an email list as soon as you can. You should become an expert in the field that you want to, talk, you know, be a, uh, known in. And uh -huh. and those are all, I guess, good things to do anyway. But ultimately, I think if you want to measure yourself in hits then you are going to just get one thing that even you won't be able to explain the... Right, and certainly not replicate. Yes. But, I mean, I don't know, isn't... For things like, like say, for instance, since we're talking about this, YouTube videos, hmm. the whole point is hits because then you get 
yes, to you get click that button that says yeah. advertising, and then you get to bring in money for that. Yeah. Ideally, but it's impossible to to anticipate. Yeah, and YouTube is a very, you know, it's not an easy nut to crack. None of these are, but YouTube is especially strange. I've tried yeah. to look at least into, you know, that abyss and all I saw was <laughs> memes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's rough. And and I say this as someone who has enjoyed, like, my, my YouTube videos are more successful than any other venture I've, I've undertaken. Right. But I don't know why. Yeah. And I can't duplicate it. I, I keep, like, if I put more of the same out there, it, it gets the same attention. But if I do anything else other than that, they don't care. Hmm. That that particular audience, yeah, is there for that one thing, and that is it. Yeah, like I've, I've had success with other things elsewhere, but on YouTube, that's what they want to see. It's it's baffling. Hmm. And I don't I don't know. I mean, I do you when you when you discover like a writer or a designer or a filmmaker that you like, don't you then seek out all the other stuff they do because yeah. you're sort of fascinated by it? Yes, and that is the I guess the the. The mistake I make because I behave like that, I expect everyone else to behave like that. Yes, you know? I think that's why we're both maybe not the best <laughs> advertisers yeah. in the world because we we do that. No, because we we follow people. Let's say you know you come across someone who's good. You're like, oh, okay, they have an Instagram, they have Twitter, they have a YouTube channel. I am going to at least subscribe to all of these. Then if I find that you know they're making too much noise that I don't care for on one of those outlets, I might unsubscribe. But Usually I don't. I just like, you know, I'm like, okay, this is you as well. But mm-hmm. that is not the way. I know people who have, you know, 20 Twitter followers, but 2,000 Instagram followers. Right. You know, because... Well, and and I know people like, like entertainers or writers or comedians mm. or whatever who I am really into who are just not good at Twitter. Hmm. And alternately, there's some people I follow on Twitter who I'm not actually all that into what they do. I just think they're good at Twitter. Like, I honestly think, like, I don't think it's like a profession, but I do think being good at Twitter is is a skill in itself. No, it is a skill. It's like, I mean, people have likened Twitter to several things. Charlie Brooker, the guy who does Black Mirror, um, Mm -hmm. he did a show about a year or two ago about uh, 25 video games that changed the world. And it was a great list. But the number one video game... As in chronologically, mm-hmm. the latest video game to change the world was Twitter. Really? Yes, because he said you create this avatar, you give it a picture, you give it a bio, and then you, you know, interact with other people, and then you get more points by the more followers you accrue, and the more RTs you do, and the more spread you do, and then you get more followers based on that, and that's how your score goes up. I suppose it's a it's a cynical way of looking at it, like Charlie Brooker does with everything uh, right but there is certainly there are certainly people who try to do that there is right now a sort of a, a social media arms race of sort uh, going on in the twitter based live streaming world <laughs> what do you mean uh, you know where you get you get an app on your phone and you, you know people can uh, click on that link and it comes to a live stream of you wherever you are, you know, eating your sandwich or walking on the subway or oh, whatever, okay, yeah. you know. And and that's a, that's a strange thing because I, I expected that to happen years ago when Vine and things like that were, you know, the that in vogue. Well, Vine only gives you, what, six seconds, I think? Yeah. Whereas I know I've seen, is it Periscope? 
Yeah, yeah. Periscope that, and that Mere, Meerkat like are the current, okay. the ones that are sort of fighting it out. I think Periscope is owned by Twitter, so that's basically, you know, a done ah. deal now. Mm-hmm. That's where it's going to go. Meanwhile, in this in in the video game arena, you have video game streamers, you have Twitch, you have now YouTube has mm-hmm. gaming for YouTube. They just announced it at E3. Huh. You know, so there's that huge thing that I don't understand. And literally, you can put on a Twitch stream of you know some Scandinavian teenager you've never heard of, mm-hmm. uh, and there's thousands of people watching and hundreds of people commenting live while this guy plays video games. And see, I, that's the interesting thing because we were just talking about like how certain things work on certain platforms. And I think a Scandinavian teenager playing a video game would go very well on that. But if you live streamed, say, you doing a particularly complicated illustration or yes. if we live streamed an episode of our podcast, I bet neither of those things would do very well. We get yeah. some interest from our circles, but that's it. Yeah. The medium does find a market. I don't know if that market stays there forever, but it, it there is always a market that's in vogue. It's like Instagram yeah. right now. In in the Middle East where I live, um, online shopping has never really been very uh, much of a big thing. You know, mm-hmm. you go out to the mall, the mall is air-conditioned, it's all over there, the salesmen falling over themselves to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. service you. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so, and, and that's how I do most of my shopping. That's how most people do most of my shopping. It is getting better. You know, I recently bought a phone online because it was much cheaper than, uh, the stores, but right. in order to make sure it was much cheaper than the stores, I went to a store and asked them, how much is that? And they said, it's so much. And I was like, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> you know, See, that's but, interesting because 90% of my shopping is done online. Like exactly. I have Amazon prime, which means... I get free two-day shipping. So everything okay. I order will be here quickly and I don't yeah. have to pay to get it here. And they are Amazon, so they have everything. So right. I'm set. And, I, I, and what, you can get groceries and everything from there, right? You can't. Actually, my next-door neighbor drives the Amazon Fresh truck. Okay. Oh, so they even have fresh food now? Yeah. No, that's okay. they sell... That, like you could pick a, I mean you you don't have the advantage, obviously, of picking, you know, your, your mm. fresh tomato and squeezing yeah. it and that sort of thing. But... Yeah, you can you can load up with whatever groceries you need. Yeah, but uh, my point about online shopping was that there is an entire market that no one was quite aware of in the Middle East, and mm-hmm. it was online shopping through Instagram. Oh. Yeah. Basically, if you are and and I'm only sort of dimly aware of this because I'm let's say an Indian in the Middle East and not an Arab. Mm-hmm. Okay. There would be, let's say, Arab entrepreneurs, a lot of them women, a lot of them in the fashion and accessories mm-hmm. industry, catering specifically to their cultural specific, you know, uh, clothing and accessories. Right. Um, And they would have protected accounts with tens of thousands of followers. And they huh. just put up a picture of the item, you know, price, contact me for sales, and that's it. And many of them are running successful Businesses this way. Wow. And th- now and I'm. Oh, go ahead. No, it's. I'm saying it's a. It's an entire. You think about it as the internet, and you think that everything on the internet is open. You know, it's an. It's on YouTube. It's an Amazon thing. It's trying to get more. Um, right. Eyeballs trying to get more public attention, trying to go viral, 
and you have all these markets, you know. Well, and that's the thing about viral that I've always been frustrated by is like, it's great to get a million hits or whatever, but it's much better, I think, to cultivate a subculture, a like, I would much rather have a thousand loyal listeners than 10,000 listeners that are very, you know, come and go. No, there there was, I think, from one of the, uh, one of the major internet marketers, people, you know, gurus, there was an essay called 1000 True Fans. And this Mm -hmm. is before Patreon and before Kickstarter and all of those things. I remember reading this five or six years ago and he said that, you know what, you don't need to become the next Justin Bieber. I mean, this is before Justin Bieber, but, you know, I'm using that as an example. You don't need millions of people. You just need 1,000 people to spend $100 on you every year. Right. You know, and that's a living. Even after expenses and taxes and all that, I would kill for that kind of... Uh, no, and that's you know, that's attention. the thing about that's the thing about the internet about being able to reach everyone is okay, but you're not going to appeal to everyone. Yes. So find your niche, find the yes. find the audience that works for you, and and market to them. Yeah, I think uh, starting out, all of us want to go for the maximum spread, obviously. But let's mm-hmm. say as we as we mature more into AR products and be just an experience of uh, marketing, we are trying to hone more. Uh, you, mm-hmm. uh, as Algar Productions, as Sarcastic Voyage and Post-Atomic Horror, are now trying to, I'm guessing, hone more into people who are going to be your fans rather than, you know, just like, hey, we want everyone, including teenagers, and teenagers no, don't no, want we, anything. We've, we've, always, we've always tried to market specifically to nerds, one, because that's the perspective we're coming from, two, because yes. we have the third largest convention you know comics convention in the world like right here in our backyard Mm. and it's just so much easier to say let's just pack up some boxes and drive across town for three days and and hawk our wares because these people are receptive anyway right like it's it's a lot easier and it's a lot easier to market knowing okay now that i'm comedy for nerds instead of just comedy that automatically like yeah it limits your audience in a way but it also gives you focus right it, and it, I, I, I feel like you would have the same, you know, the, the same experience. Like the, uh, if you decide what I'm doing is more for this crowd or that crowd or whatever, it's probably going to get you more attention, not less. Yes. And I think also you can, uh, depending on what you're doing, of course, you can, you can diversify your portfolio, let's say, into things that are purely for because they're, they're getting people's attention and things that purely you want to do. Let's say you're your radio shows, you know, your mm-hmm. the radio plays. Those are things you want to do regardless of... Obviously, right. it would be great to have a million people listening to them, but if it doesn't, you're still happy with doing the thing. Well, and that's the that's the overall artist thing. Like, the, yeah. I, think, I think you would agree the artist's dream is to find a gig that doesn't feel like you're selling out to do day-to-day to make the money, to get the attention... Absolutely. But then to have enough time to do the things you're also passionate about. I mean, the perfect thing is that you, you know, they're the same thing, but they're probably not going to be. Yeah. I mean, that's where pe- things like Patreon and all are quite tempting. They're they're crowdfunding, mm-hmm. but they're not. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with the Patreon model. I am. Actually, some people when I did my fundraiser asked hmm. if they could do that. And I, I'm not like for for our particular thing, I'm not super keen on that. Mostly okay. because... I want the money right now, not next month and next month and next month. You right, I mean? right. 
but, it's, but that's just a, I was in financial trouble. Yeah, I mean, for, for those listening who don't know, it's sort of like how Kickstarter funds projects, mm-hmm. Patreon funds artists to continue producing things. So let's say in, in, in Algar Productions case, let's say you had a Patreon where people paid you the minimum buy-in of a dollar for every month or every show that comes out. Right. You know? So every month a, a dollar would get deducted from their account or whatever. Um, it you know obviously ten thousand people or a thousand people give you a dollar a month. That's a lot of money, even less right. the fees. And you give them early access to things, and you know you can have tiers, you can have rewards, you can have. I know a lot of uh, art artists online who are who have some notoriety. I'm not saying that you can be unknown completely and this just show up there and be successful. But there are artists right. who. Uh, who who get you know seemingly at least because their Patreon profile says how much they're supposed to be getting quite a lot right you know and I have, it's it's have a, you ever considered doing that I've considered it but again I want to uh, I've considered it when you know when when I have something consistently going out that I can put a value to I'm still. Mm-hmm. And we have discussed this before. The problem we've always had with Kickstarter is that it sells the story rather than the actual thing. Right. You know, it sells the dream of something or the... And it, it's it's frustrating how much it seems that people would rather pay for the dream of something than for the actual thing, you know? Well, there there are times when I have supported Kickstarters that I don't even want the product. I just want to support... right the person who's doing it, or I think it's an important thing that should exist. It's not always that I necessarily want the end product. I just, I'm, I'm I mean, sort of everyone my wants support. more, everyone wants more potato salad in the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like potato salad, but I absolutely <laughs> want that guy to make it. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's that kind of thing. Patreon is tempting. So is Kickstarter, frankly, for, things it's just that i've sure i'm lazy and that's the other problem <laughs> this is something we talked about i think in the the one on creativity that we did a year ago now um, mm-hmm. is that we well me i'm not i have obviously plenty of dreams and plenty of plans and all that but i a i'm never quite sure which one to focus my attention on because i'm constantly you know looking at a mounting pile of bills and thinking I should be doing something else, uh-huh. you know. Um, at B, I've just I'm I'm also not sure that I could produce something like that, not on an artistic level or a technical level, but just as a as let's say as a circus that you have to manage, you know. Just delivering on a deadline every week, every De- month, whatever. Not not delivering the product or the technical aspects of it, but delivering the marketing. Ah. I'm not that confidently social a person. I'm trying to be better within mm-hmm. my own, you know, way of doing well, things. And, and I'm and getting like better. you were, like you were saying earlier, when I, I assume that was sort of a wake up call for you when you spoke to those people who who did not realize what you do. Yes, no, it was. It was a huge wake up call for me because you know, literally here, I've I've been doing this all my adult life. Right. And for people who seemingly know me enough to, you know, to not know that. That is literally the first adjective I would use to describe you. Vishal is an artist. 
Mm. who, you know, like, I don't know how to describe you without using artist, designer, illustrator, one of those, you know, like, that is an essential part of you. I can't, like, I don't know how I know, I would know yeah, how to but describe I, you to someone without saying that. I think that's also because you are also a creative person in some ways. As I in, guess that's true. Because you are a fellow creative. Um, right. Again, an example, yesterday, um, my brother and I ran into a high school classmate of his after 20 years, I think. Uh-huh. You know, and they, they were sort of in touch on Facebook, but we weren't really, you know, we didn't even know he was in the country. You know. We just literally at the supermarket, you know, he's like, hey, you know. And he asked us, oh, so what do you guys do? And, and we were like, oh, yeah, you know, we're in design and all that. And, and it's just sort of like, it's a thing. It's like, oh, you're in design. You know, there's... For people in a job, and this guy was in a regular, you know, some kind of industrial job um, mm-hmm. or an office job or whatever, it it doesn't matter to them. It's like when if someone asked me, what does Algar do? I'd say he makes comedy and he makes these other shows. I would not say that you work for X Corporation, which you do. Right. You still no, do, but, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm doing it right now as we speak. Oh. <laughs> no, not really. I'm just... <laughs> I have my laptop open, but I'm not actually doing anything. Um, but they're paying me anyway. Yeah. No. Uh, but that's that's a whole other thing. That's a I. Uh, to me, there's a difference between a job and a career. Right, and that difference does not. And we know that there's. And for, for us, there is a difference between that. If you ask me, what do most of my friends do? Even though they all have jobs, I will probably tell you all the things that they do as hobbies or as passions or things they're good at or things they aspire to even, you know. But there are some people, presumably in theory, that Mm. have their dream job, that are doing for a living what they love. And those are the people that I I envy because those are the people you can define by both Mm. their job and their passion, you know? Absolutely. And I... But I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know that many of them. No, I do not. I wish... Okay. I, I, you know, I wish that that dream was successful because so many people are either forced or, you know, or brainwashed or whatever into it. I'm not saying that they mm-hmm. should, that they took the wrong thing, but they are no happier than we are. Right. You know? No, and at least, like, I, I, I mean, I've mentioned this probably talking to you before, but I've mentioned it elsewhere also. I had a career. I had, like, a very well-paying job that I spent Mm. 11 years doing, and I got, like, I rose through the ranks, and I was making a lot of money, but I had no time to do creative stuff, and I just wasn't happy, so I stopped, and I got a a, a, the bare minimum job to to give me time to do what I love. Right. And I'm broke, but I'm happy, and I think that's (laughs) that was the compromise, you know? Same here. I'm... And now, in in my household, it's the three of us who are sort of on our own. Even my dad left his job a few years ago, and now he does independent consulting in the uh, water treatment industry, which you'd think is not yeah. really a creative field, but he's happy. He's hap- He's doing more creative work than just, you know, go to client A and give them product B, uh-huh. you know. So he's happy for the first time in a long time. Good. Uh, you know. As as long as that also means that he can, you know, put food on the table, that's good. Hey, right now he's putting more food on the table than I am. I can manage the garnish. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we're, we're, let's just say that for people 
of our age now i'm 32 you know my dad's 64 uh, mm-hmm. the standard model is that you went to you finished your school did science you know in, in, in i'm talking about middle class urban indians like myself and my father um you know you go to college in again in engineering or a science stream you get into a, the best paying job you can at the biggest firm you can rise up the ranks as much as you can maybe mm-hmm. in your you know 50s or something after hopping a few jobs but always rising up maybe you branch out by you know uh starting a tangential business to your previous employment mm-hmm. you know taking on some of those same clients and then you you become very successful and i know most of my dad's peers are in that position you know they're they're maybe not billionaires or even multimillionaires but they're you know they're well off right and here, no and that's that's essentially what's expected of of i would say your average middle class american as well yes. actually it's not that different yeah no it is very similar from whatever i've seen it's it's mm-hmm. the same model it's you know it's get a practical thing. job get yeah. this like people will always need engineers people when mm-hmm. like if you know if if we have a solar flare and suddenly we have no more internet then we're probably not going to need podcasters anymore but right. we don't really need them at all but yeah. we're always going to need no, and, certain jobs and that's certainly something that an existential thing that i don't know about you but i've do you know what that we have no survival skills that we don't actually <laughs> do anything Not, of use yeah that we don't do anything of use i mean i i can tell you that design is useful but it's dis- it's useful in the here and now it's not actually as in it's it's a it's at best a lubricant for uh-huh. moving things forward rather than the engine of moving things forward i'm not saying yeah, that I lubricants say, are not important but no but i would say any form of entertainment like broadly speaking hmm. is the same way yes it's it's not essential but no but know, it, it, it helps it helps morale we yeah. we are we are the morale boosters yeah and also then you sort of start thinking that you know civilization need not be the end all of you know on a greater scale of the universe you know mm-hmm. human civilization need not be the thing that's going to save the we like to think of it that way but you know if we go away nothing's going to really change in the universe Well, right, that's true. But now you're getting really existential about it. Yeah, but but I and, and, I'm look look I'm Hindu. I can't help it. We're all you know. It's all a cycle. <laughs> it's all it it's all elephant-headed people telling you that things are going to be okay. Well, and see, for me, like I I don't know if it fits any particular philosophy. I'm sure it does. But my my basic thought is, yeah, we don't matter. So what's the difference if I spend my life doing something that doesn't matter? Because if I get exactly, you know, if I get a practical job, that also doesn't matter. So I might as well at least be happy right now. Yeah. No, and, and that's and, how I see it. And yeah, I mean, you you look at people who have done all the right things and are horribly unhappy. Yeah. You know, they have everything, but. literally i i've met people and I'm, i wonder why what you know you did all the right things you have the right job the right uh, social yeah, but how do you define thing. right like uh, the right job like, yeah, what exactly. does that mean exactly but but let's say right for the standards of well yeah, your the, culture the says yeah. this is what you should do correct yeah. 
and and you know on a on a quantify on the same the human civilization level those people are actually let's say helping in some ways you know they are mm-hmm. they are at least stimulating retail spending <laughs> but well, that okay, seems but... to be the best thing they're doing good at you know buying no, things and, and... I, you're right, but on the other hand, I don't want to come off as like I agree with you, but I don't want to come off like I have contempt for people. No, with no, real like there are I, people with skills that I envy. I can't fix a car. I can't build a I, house. I, can, I you can't do any of that. I can't do you know half the things that people who uh, who are doing everyday jobs do. Right, or even you know, let's say desk jobs or you know the seemingly useless jobs. Mm-hmm. you know in the corporate world i can't do any of that i I, I, I those are basically if you watch someone do it for a week you can do it just in my experience <laughs> i'm talking about skilled trades specifically right. that i have like particular respect for that yeah. i like you know no, I mean, people I'm, who can make things and fix things and build things you know it's like i i rarely i rarely even if justified tried to be rude to any person in retail or you know especially people who work in the food industry because i i have some cognition of how much work that is oh god yeah you know so like, have, you, have you ever had one of those terrible jobs uh no i have never ah, you were i have lived a very very comfortable life you know so <laughs> yeah, apparently so it's it's I would say a pretty typical experience for the American youth to, at mm. least when you're in your teens, if not a little after that, to mm. to have a horrible food service slash retail job for a while. Right. See, in in my particular corner of Indian culture, that would have been unacceptable. Uh huh. It's like we didn't raise you to go and work at McDonald's, not even for a summer. Well, and, and it seems. It seems more, there's more class consciousness there, I would think. Uh, yes, there is. And there is also off, there is also sort of a, education is a lot more of a job than it is, I'm guessing, anywhere else in the world except maybe Japan. Uh-huh. You know, when, when you are in school, from the second year past kindergarten to when you're out of college, that mm-hmm. is a full-time job. That can be, you know, sixteen to twenty hours of your day easily. I I might have gone to college if it was seen that way, but my mom said, "Oh no, you will also get a full time job." And okay. I said, "Well, I can't do that." Yeah. So I didn't go. <laughs> okay. I I can't imagine like I don't know like I I I can't imagine a, a a society that allows you to just be in school and not expect you to also you know work. No, like most uh, most of the Indian middle class is like that. You do not mm-hmm. get a job unless you absolutely have to. That that seems so nice. <laughs> it's it's it would be nice if the education was not completely soul crushing. Ah, well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now things... have you? Did you go to? Did you go to college, university, no. whatever? No, no, I mean, I I got a very fairly easy. I got a diploma in graphic design. You know. Mm-hmm. after high school but i know the kind of levels of work that go into just the regular you know basic bachelor of whatever arts or commerce even you know the the humanities the light stuff in an indian college is a hell mm-hmm. of a lot of grind right oh i believe it it may now, be better there... now but oh. i don't know 
Now, I mean, I I don't know if this is like a myth or what, but is is there like a high burnout rate? Because like the 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 conventional wisdom here, whether or not it's true or not, it's one of those things like QI things that would set off the klaxons that everybody knows. Hmm. Is that uh, like Japanese uh, students are very intense and and very focused, and there's also a high suicide rate. I don't know if it's true, but that's what people think. It's hard. It- it's hard in India because a lot of that would be socially taboo enough that it would just sort of get swept under the rug. Oh, I see. Uh, but it also probably happens less than Japan because we have a, in some ways, very in good and bad ways, an invasive family structure. Mm-hmm. You know, people have got your back in ways that are not there in other cultures. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, usually, obviously, when you're a teenager, you want to be left alone, but it's sort of better in some ways that you aren't. There is always someone, you know, looking out I'm for you. Really, I'm, I'm really trying to untangle my my, uh, my my cultural bias to see the good in that, but that seems horrible. Just be, just from my my perspective of yeah. being an American no, and it, and it feeling is, entitled to alone time. Yeah, and and let's just say the Indian equivalent of that is that we are entitled to uh, to people constantly. Uh, as in you are entitled to comment on other people's lives ah. you know in, in <laughs> entitled to metal entitled to metal there, there that's exactly the case <laughs> you know? I know there's definitely a stereotype of like the, the I don't know if it's a mother or like sort of an aunt figure or something but like older Indian women mm-hmm. sort of just like getting in your business I've, I've oh, heard yeah. that yeah. I've heard that stereotype before yeah older Indian women older Indian men Younger mm. people now. I mean, you know. Oh, so everybody, right? Really. Everybody. Everyone has to have an opinion about everything. Yeah. Personally. You know, it's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, you're in graphic design. Oh, you should go to America. This is literally the way the conversation goes with Indians when I'm talking to them. Uh... And why should I go to America? No, no, that's where all, you know, all the. There's so much scope there. Okay, and I'm, okay I'm but like, if sure, they're not graphic but, designers, how do they know where the work is? It doesn't matter. You're supposed to know about everything. You're Indian. You're not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean to bash my entire culture, but... You oh, know, no, no, does, no. Uh, you're, you, I will say you're not really making it sound very appealing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there are good sides to that, you know, in terms of... Well, yeah, that, it sounds like you have a, a much better support system. Yes, I mean, yes. the fact that you are comfortably living with your father and brother at, yeah. in your 30s just like i i could not do that but it sounds yeah, like and, you were and very I mean, happy with that range yeah and, and honestly i'm telling you i have no intention or i've had any other feeling of you know like moving out and being on my own in any uh or, or even in the future let's say you know that lots of money all the things in the world girls falling out mm-hmm. of the windows at me you know i'm not going to be like that oh doesn't seem very practical hmm? Yeah, it doesn't seem very practical. Well, you know, as long as the windows are properly sized. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but it is a very different cultural thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I mean, we are very much... We definitely put the emphasis on individuality, about hmm. independence, about, you know, like, go out and make your way in the world. Like, it's a, yeah. you go, you are an individual. You are, like... That's very much, I mean, you know, of course, like I grew up in the tail end of the the Cold War where we reject communism. We reject the idea that a collective Mm. could help, you know, each other. Like it's all very much the rugged individual. Yeah, that 
uh, India for especially at that time was socialist. It, it's in our sort of constitution. We are a socialist democracy. Right. Know. Capitalism in the sort of the modern way, the whole the IT boom and all of that, is really started in the nineties. So I I would be of the last generation to sort of remember the time before then, you know, when there were only two channels on TV and they were all state run, or <laughs> you know, um, and they weren't bad in any way in that sense. It's just there was a major shift, and now we are right. sort of we are getting that individualism, individualism, you know, bringing it, trying to bring it back to marketing. <laughs> right. Let's say. The individualism is still expressed in this sort of family way. So hmm. you look at the advertising. You're not going to see the single guy. You know, he's he's a badass. He's a maverick. He's alone. He goes out on his own and you know, drinks Mountain Dew or whatever. It will be <laughs> it will be either a group of people, you know, or it will be an ad where there's a perfectly reasonable looking. Slightly overweight man who's about my age with uh, metal-rimmed glasses in a nice five-seater hatchback car with his family and one and a half kids, and that's his wow. expression of individualism. Wow, you know, huh. it's well, a... and and, it, and I definitely don't want to come off as like I am judging. Like I hmm. I find your culture inferior to mine. Like hmm. I de- that is not that my reaction at all. I just it's it's very you know it's very foreign (laughs) yes it is it's foreign to me in some ways because i get to see you know as people off the internet you get to see how each culture handles its individualism because that's usually where let's say people are marketing to but but to to bring it back to marketing so much of world like like the the shared culture Hmm. comes from the sort of like our multi-billion or multi-million dollar billion making, I suppose, but but uh, budgeted millions, like Hollywood movies, like yes, the like the world has seen the Avengers, for instance. Yes, and so I have not seen the second pushing... Avengers, but no, I haven't yet either. <laughs> I would like to. I just haven't yet. But oh, um... I, I I gave it up for Mad Max, and I do not regret it. <laughs> but my but that's another Hollywood movie, like right. It may in some ways be unconventional, but it's still. Like most of the big like things that are marketed to you are created here by people from here with our cultural bias. So right. we're kind of pushing our vision of the way things should be on the rest of you, aren't we? Yes, and it, it you only have to you'll only realize that if you saw a mainstream Bollywood movie, for instance, mm-hmm. and the mainstream Bollywood movie now will usually star. By now, one of three actors who are all nearly fifty or already fifty, but they always play someone relatively around my age, you know, with, with the right <laughs> amount of makeup. Uh, the the heroine, because there has to be a love interest, is always mm-hmm. by now usually much much younger than them, you know, twenty two, and no one makes any mention of this, you know. Other than like, some of them are sort of starting to do like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, I am so old compared to you, kind of stuff. But right, you know, and it's it's these are blockbuster movies that are basically where the characters themselves are superheroes. You know, but why why are there only that handful of actors that are aging? Like, why is there not new 
like there, marketable like talent coming up there are you new know, younger people there are new guys but also they're they're too safe especially let's say now in india there i i, I was watching uh, i don't know if you ever watched that uh, john favreau's interview show dinner for five where he just sort of gets four guests and they usually in, in films and they talk about stuff i haven't seen it but i'm aware of it's it. it's very good um mm-hmm. and i think he was talking to burt reynolds or someone and they burt reynolds was talking about uh someone saying you know the difference between at that older actors like let's say robert redford or uh, paul newman and all that and this newer crop of people where they're not as big icons you know and and that person was uh, identifying that all these newer people they weren't dangerous enough hmm and that is sort of the problem let's say in with with indian actors or uh, you know even in the west where you don't get someone you know who's let's say a really big even even if every newspaper in the world shouts that this guy is the biggest star ever how many times right. have you heard that you know that this this guy he's blowing up he's the new this and then two years later he's gone yeah i try not to pay attention to that hype but i do yeah. have a an awareness of of who lingers like yeah okay this guy we were hearing about a few years ago is still making movies so maybe he is the next thing you know hmm. like i i don't know i like for instance um oh, what's his name uh magic mike that guy channing tatum Chan- channing tatum thank you um i knew i knew if i said the ma- the name of that stripper movie that you would know who i was talking about <laughs> no, i'm kidding but like I, I, he wasn't on my radar much at all, and yeah. and Amanda likes to joke that he's a you know no face nobody nothing, and mm. that is true. However, he's in the next Tarantino movie, and I think that's gonna probably keep him you know right. relevant for a bit. And he's in this and that, and he's gonna be in an X Men movie, and yeah. like it feels like that guy might stick around for a little bit. Yeah, and he seems like you know a perfectly nice guy. could be i don't know you know, i don't know anything about him as in that's the impression he gives off right but i don't i don't know if in 30 years time anyone is going to be going and i don't mean this specifically for him but there's a whole range no, of no no i just like picked that as an like, example you know like oh it's 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 that channing tatum movie you know okay but maybe he also, will grow into that but you know also don't you think that's kind of an artifact of like the culture is super oversaturated now like yes like there was a time when uh Cary Grant let's say could be a huge star and he would come out with two or three movies a year and now right the way the, first of all it takes forever to make movies second of all there's 50,000 other movies competing with it hmm. you're not going to notice as much right like, it's just it, uh, there's more stuff out there and i i think you're starting to see a trend where the people who are sort of taking up that space of the of the sort of the, the light edgy cultural icons are actually the comedians well and and that to actually bring us back to our marketing and and all that sort of thing i think that might be where the culture is going i think right. the having a giant blockbuster driven mainstream culture i'm not saying it's 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 going away completely but i'm saying it's it's breaking up it's yeah, becoming it is it is fragmenting into different uh, let's say different reasons in some ways better planar reasons earlier you know there was carry grant and he had to be your sex symbol and your best actor and your 
you know view onto the world and now you can have you can have john stewart for your opinions or amy schumer or you know any of these people you can have a blog dedicated to ryan gosling's uh, cheekbones you can right. have you know your 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 idea let's say your consumer's idea or of of what a celebrity is to them mm-hmm. what a content provider you know to be perfectly blase because that's what most celebrities are <laughs> yeah well, we all yeah. are really yeah. i mean anyone who entertains or or you know whatever is providing content yeah i mean you you're you're okay with chris evans showing up once every two years in the captain america suit you know right but if john stewart showed up every two years or amy schumer showed up every two years you'd be like yeah that's not enough you know they culturally that. they they sort of occupy a different space right you know no i can see that but also i think as as subcultures become sub subcultures and sub sub subcultures and you know as things get more fragmented and uh, uh balkanized that's the word hmm. i love that word um <laughs> no just as everything sort of splits into smaller and smaller pieces yeah it feels like the people providing the content it's it becomes it's not always this way of course because there's cynical people out there who will try to figure it out but it becomes more of a meritocracy overall it becomes the yeah. people with the most talent are going to get noticed because everyone sort of has an equal voice now and they're all jumping up and down and competing at the same time yeah it's... and i'm just as likely to get noticed as someone who is you know who has a name because it's all based on what you're doing at this point you know what i right. mean right right and and it's like you know tv shows have become such a huge part of our life now yeah. In ways that I would never have predicted. Yeah, I mean, you it know. looked like you know, for the longest time, the joke was, "Oh, a failed movie actor is doing TV now." Yeah. But but TV is like good TV shows, like like prestige shows, are you know a huge deal for certain actors now. Yes, you know, and I I think your average say middle aged leading man would kill to be on a Breaking Bad or a Mad Men more Absolutely. than than a, you know whatever blockbuster is coming out. You know. Yeah. Because it's it's a better opportunity for them, and it lingers in the culture more, and right. it, and it's it's legitimized now. TV is literature. Well, and that's I mean, my personal taste is how I see that. Like, I much prefer to see if you have a compelling character, I want to follow them for a while. Right. I don't want to just boil it down to the most important two hours. I want to see what happens in yeah. their life. I want to you know see how they handle each challenge individually. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's say in a day now, I'll watch. Maybe I barely watch anything, and I still watch like an hour mm-hmm. of uh, an hour-long drama. You know, yeah, one a day. Yeah, and hmm. and I know people who watch incessantly. They're you know up to date on everything. They're watching five different shows. I can see it because you know every time I meet them, they're just off in the corner with their laptop. <laughs> you know, catching no, up. See, on. Wait, I. I usually do the binge thing where yeah. I will wait till the end of a season and then we will just take an entire day. Like sat- this Saturday mm. is just for catching up on Mad Men, let's say. Oh, okay. That, okay. It. So you haven't seen the end of it? Oh, no, no. We saw Mad Men already. Okay. I was just, I was just as an example. Like right okay. now I'm looking at my list and I'm just down to like half hour comedies right now. Like we just finished Bob's Burgers and we're going to do okay. Louie next. But, you know, like it's – to me it's easier – like – this just has to do with my terrible memory and mm. my terrible uh, attention span. It's better yeah. to watch it all at once so I don't forget what happened. 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't watch episode to episode on anything other than maybe Top Chef, you know, because it's that sort of episodic. Well, yeah, that's show. A, that's an anthology ish show that yeah. doesn't matter, you know. It's a game show, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> but but I mean, in in the sense that you know, it's different every time. Yeah, and and that's an interesting way of looking at how to you know make things. It's, I know that you guys have been doing sketches in you know now having a repository of sketches and having mm-hmm. threads that you can then you know it was nice to to uh, listen to that entire nick and willikins thing you know uh, the yeah, last one you we did. we do we do um we we do uh serials yeah. now and yeah i i like releasing like once we're finished i do i use the model of a tv show i like to say now here's the whole season here's right. the whole you know yeah, it's the 10 box episodes, 20 episodes whatever yeah exactly and it's i mean if anything, I would say comics had that model down before anything else because you would have six issues and then you'd have a trade paperback. Yeah. And TV kind of followed along and I think other things, like, I would love, like, I've had this in the back of my head for a while to to take sarcastic, like, if I had time to make another show, which I don't, hmm. but if I did, I would love to do just a serialized radio play that is just that, like, every week, right. every month, whatever, I've, and do seasons because yeah. I love that kind of story. No, I I do love that kind of storytelling, and I have been investigating that you know, the, let's say talking about YouTube and things like that. What mm-hmm. kind of series could I do with my? Uh, and it doesn't need to be fiction or not, but like, what could you do on YouTube that's for the YouTube audience? So you know, like if if it's not fiction, I would say the way the way we're talking right now, it would have to have some kind of if not narrative thread, at least some kind of continuity to keep right. people to like to give them an impetus to, to tune into the next one. Yeah. It it needs to be something consistent. It needs to be something rewarding and entertaining. You know, I don't think that you should be making things on YouTube that aren't entertaining. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, okay. But that's so subjective. That... Yeah. No, it's like, uh, I would say I, I watch about an hour or so of some TV drama. That's usually like mm-hmm. the same TV drama. I don't watch different episodes of different shows, you know. I'll just go through the entire season. It'll take me a week or two. But And sometimes So you now, do the binge thing like I do, just yeah. a little slower. Yeah. So, I, because I just, I sort of like that period between, you know, especially with things like Mad Men, mm-hmm. where, you know, you get like a whole day to just sort of decompress all the points of, that you saw right but that's you know, we we, yeah. we will sort of just because i watch with amanda and we yeah. we're both pretty analytical we'll just sort of yell out our observations to each other as we go hmm. uh, but yeah when lost was on i used to do that we used to do that in like three days the season yeah you know seven eight episodes a day no i think it's much more rewarding like and again it's partially because i can't remember anything yeah but it's partially because I think you see the patterns. You yeah. see, oh, they're telling a season-long story. I get it now. And mm. you and you pick up on a lot of things you wouldn't normally see and week you, to week. And it's like reading a book now. You get into the cadence of things. If you know, if, yeah. When I finish a book, it takes me a while to... I can't just pick up any other book. Which, you know, if it's got a completely different way of talking, then I, it takes me a while to get used to that. It depends. Sometimes I mean, it there puts are me certain... Off. There are certain authors who are like that. There are certain, I would say, more sort of disposable, throwaway stuff that is right, right. so much like that for I, me. And yeah, and I'm guessing you probably do this too, where we just watch something as a cleanser. Yeah. yeah. No, and and I envy people, like you probably can do this because you, you draw. People who, whatever creative thing they do, allows them to have something on in the background. Right. 
Yeah, like, I, I, do I you listen do that to, when you draw? Do you have TV on or, or music uh, or whatever? Not, Podcasts? Not TV, podcasts. Hmm. I, I'm okay with like spoken word things. Music sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's like when I used to write and sometimes when I still write things like blog posts and all that, I can't have anything on. Yeah, I, I can have instrumental music on, hmm. but nothing with words. Yeah. Because that will distract me the way my, my mind works. But like because most of my, like the tedious end of what I do is audio editing, I can't hmm. also have something with sound on. So. Right, right. So most of what I watch tends to be stuff I'm focused on because I don't like most of my downtime. I can't, you know, I can't have something mindless on. That's the problem. Hmm. The closest so I, I, I end up. No, no. Oh, the, the closest thing I get to mindless entertainment is now I've sort of gotten hooked on literally watching people on YouTube play video games. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. You yeah. don't have to go out and buy a game that way. You yeah. get the entertainment without the, you know. No, and I sort of, I found these uh, these people who are, uh, you know, they sort of, they play in groups and they are more comedians than uh, playing, you know. So uh-huh. it's like a, a tightly edited 10 or 15 minutes of right. Of usually them playing really bad video games and and they're quite <laughs> funny. So you know, it they, it's their comments on things. It's it's like uh, I guess like MST three K, but even more free form because they're just like making it up on the on the spot. Well, MST originally was improvised Live. and right. it didn't go very well because those guys aren't good at that. But if you have people who are skilled at that, it can be yeah. quite you know quite good. Yeah, and these guys, you know, I admire them. They're like, yes, they have their you know they get hundreds of thousands of views now, but they're six mm-hmm. or seven guys sitting around playing video games and putting out a video every day. You know, <laughs> I mean that's I don't know, and that that gets me. You start thinking philosophically because so much of the success that I've enjoyed is on the backs of other things. Like, right. commenting on something that already exists. Right. It, it, like, reviewing an old cartoon or talking about Star Trek. Like, yeah. it, it's, it makes me feel like I'm not doing anything original, but on the other hand, that's what people want to see. So. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, that same problem is sort of why I've always stayed away from drawing, like, commissions of, of comics and all that. I, I put, you saw, I, I put up a picture of, a drawing of Spider-Man the other day, and I commented yes. that uh, I may have drawn Spider-Man half a dozen times in my life, and that's true. I've never met another like like nerd artist who has not drawn Spider-Man a million times all exactly. over every available surface. That's very strange yeah. to me. That is very that is strange to me as well. There, you know, I, but literally, I was thinking and. No, I have not drawn Spider-Man that much, or any I mean, character. Not, not specifically Spider-Man, but yeah. you know, in general, like, like Hellboy, a lot too. Hmm. I imagine you probably haven't drawn Hellboy a lot. I have never drawn Hellboy. Well, that's strange. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was the thing that artists like to do. Exactly. I don't do that, and mm-hmm. I'm realizing now that, especially as you know, as I'm trying to get into a, a sort of an original art commissions thing that. As it was put to us uh, bluntly by those people who run that uh, that site, people mm-hmm. want ten dollar Batman's. Yep. You know there were lots of people showing up at because they they you know they're a handmade thing and the things were you know uh, fifty hundred dollars or whatever and there were people showing yeah. up and they're like, um, I, do you have any Batman? Uh, no. Do you want a Batman? Yeah. Ten, I I have ten dollars. You know the equivalent yeah. of it there is. No, I, I, I get it. And that's like our, our mutual friend Gregory makes yeah. money hand over fist just yeah. drawing commissions of established characters and, at, at 
Comic cons. I, I mean, and he does a great job. But I look at those and I look at, I see the price of them and I think, man, you should be making more than that. But I can also understand that when he's there, that's what people want at that price now. But that's that's the thing about marketing and about yeah. selling is you don't charge necessarily what it's worth. You charge what people will pay. Exactly. That's the difference. And sometimes and, that means marking it down a lot, but sometimes yes. it also means marking it up a lot if it's it popular. Does. It does. I know that people that uh, you know people will pay a lot more for something if they think it's art, purely because right. it is art. You know, there's this thing right. you keep seeing, especially if you in the in the comic art scene where you know there'll be some guy who'll just draw or literally copy some famous comic book artist version of Magneto or whatever but now it's on Uh a canvas and there's a dying donkey painted in the side and now it's art and it's going for Uh $50,000 you know and I can understand that from a sort of from a draftsman's point of view that that is just weak that you're just going out and copying some you know established artist version pretty much 99% but also you know what it's not the same thing anymore no it's not it's no one who's buying a Magneto comic who is, you know, invested in the character of Magneto is ever going to spend $50,000 on a painting because it has Magneto in it. And no one who's buying the $50,000 painting of Magneto with the donkey in the corner even cares that it's Magneto. Well, that's a good point. But I still, like, to to bring it back to what I was saying a minute ago, yeah. I still feel strange, like, when... We came up with the idea for the post-atomic horror. It was initially my pitch and Matt built on it, and it's very much a joint thing. But the initial idea was the most successful thing I have done to date is me commenting on something that is kind of goofy, but I'm also very passionate about. People seem to like that, taking some Mm. pop culture thing that is not perfect, but I still love it, and and making Mm. jokes and observations about it. And so it was a very cynical, calculated move to say, let's make a show where we do that. Let's find something right. you and I, Matt, are both very into and make jokes, but also talk passionately about it. And it was calculated. It was a, it was it was totally hmm. a cynical. This is what people will look at. And it's it's becoming like it's taken time, but it's becoming our most popular thing. And it's kind of sad to me that I was able to sort of break it down to this is what people want. And I was kind of right. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's working. So who cares? Yeah. Well, you can, it is sad, but it's also, it's good design, you know. You're looking at something that people obviously wanted. It was something that you could do. It was something that yeah. still gives you pleasure, I hope, you know. Uh, for another six weeks, yes. <laughs> and then this is where I insert my, uh, this, this, is, this is where I insert my jingle about keeping an open mind about Voyager. <laughs> No, we're we're looking at ways to keep that interesting. I I may I may be wrong that it's it's bad, but also we're doing more live stuff and like we're we're Look, we're kind of taking things to a different level. So. And yes, even when it's bad, you can still find some joy in it. The worst yeah, I, things I mean, are the things you can't find that in. No, and if anything, it's still once a a dedicated time once a week where I get to hang out with my friend and make jokes. That's always yeah. going to be fun. Exactly. But, no, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's going to feel a little more like work. <laughs> it's like a couple of days ago, some friends were going to see the new Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World. And uh-huh. I I wasn't really that interested. Jurassic Park hit at exactly the right point in my, in my life. I was 10 years yeah, all old. All you guys you know. in your 30s were super yeah. into that movie. 
and but I've never seen the sequels, and I've never really cared for it as this beloved franchise. But I love that movie. I know, you know, even as an adult, you look at it and you're like, oh my god, artistically, this thing is a great B movie. I mean, you know, it's a B movie. It's dinosaurs going uh-huh. amok on a theme park, and yeah. so you know, I was like, okay, my friends are going. I'll go. We'll see Jurassic World. Why not? And uh-huh. I can't tell you that I. I that is not a good movie to me. <laughs> it's a very stupid movie but i can't tell you that i was not entertained well that's the thing there's there's you know? tons of things that i love that are just incredibly stupid that that's not necessarily a, yeah. a bad thing and i have you know i think it could have been a better movie obviously because you know it's got the example of jurassic park itself from 20 mm-hmm. years ago but i can't, it was still fun you know? We're we're existing in a unique point in culture now where those of us, and I would say starting with people my age, maybe a tiny bit older than me, and then get, getting into people your age or maybe even a little younger, like like people born in the 70s and 80s, I would say, hmm. are becoming the 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 high-profile content makers. They're like, right. nerds are making nerd movies, is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, all the, most of the major Avengers are my age, and that's a very strange thought. <laughs> you know, Superman uh, is yeah. younger than me. Well, Superman is eternally twenty nine, right? Like, yeah. No, the strange thing is, in 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 Man of Steel, they actually aged him up. He says, "I've been on this planet for thirty three years," and I'm like, "Wait, you're oh. younger than me." I'm, I'm not oh, they're probably going for the they're they're probably going for the Jesus thing then, because mm. didn't he die well, when he was thirty three? Oh, oh God, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> oh Jesus, you know. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> Well, come on, you're a Hindu living in the Middle East. You don't you don't know that guy. You're fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's around, you know. Yeah, you know, we've heard of him. He passed through here at some point, but it's not a big deal. Seattle? No, no, I just that's just my first thought when people say anything about Superman is okay, where's the where's the tortured Jesus metaphor? Yeah. It doesn't really work for me there, but like yeah, I, I, I mean, know. and since I sort of, like you said, I have no cultural knowledge of that. It it rarely right. comes up when I look at it, you know. Right. But but my point is, like, you got somebody like Joss Whedon, or even going back to, like, um, Favreau with the first Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like, you have nerds who are passionate about this stuff now in charge of it. So it's not like, like, you may not remember, you might be just a little too young to remember when superhero movies have come out and you just kind of wince and go, well... This hmm. is the best we're going to get. Let's see what this Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie is. <laughs> oh, God, yes, I remember that one. Or or this the uh, Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie or, you know, whatever. Like, And and now, yeah. and I, I don't just mean superheroes, like everything. Like like uh, uh, Abrams doing Star Wars. Yeah. And Abrams the st- doing and, Star Trek. Like, and I am legitimately very excited to see the new Star Wars. Oh, so am I, but I mean, you know, I always have been. Yeah, no, because I always thought that Abrams would be a better fit for Star Wars than Star Trek. I liked his take on Star Trek. That's obviously been well established. But but yeah, I think that is a better fit for him. And I think I like that Simon Pegg is writing the new Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah. Because again, there's a there's a intelligent nerd. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm glad Justin Lin is in charge because he's, you know. Yes. I, that guy, like, I'm not, I, I haven't seen the Fast and Furious movies, but just reading everything I can about him, he seems very much in the, like, in the mold yeah. of the kind of guy we need. No, I mean, Fast and the Furious is strange because the first two were very different and of middling quality, both of them, you know, no one. Mm-hmm. And the third movie was not, was almost like a director video thing. It was not, it was shot in Tokyo. It was shot in, you know, there was none of the 
characters returned but mm-hmm. they got this director Justin Lin who at the time had just made some small independent movie you know mm-hmm. uh, about i think the asian community in los angeles or something right so he got a bunch of those guys the same actors in this thing and honestly i really loved that movie mm-hmm. because it was sort of artistically quite nice the third fast right. and the furious movie people don't like it because you know they've gone into this sort of very rewarding very entertaining spectacle of you know cars thing <laughs> right but that third movie was very nice and i remember looking at it thinking yeah this guy this guy has something you know as well, a director I looking over his what he's done like I the only thing that I had seen were the paintball episodes of Community and mm. those really stood out because yeah. I don't know if you saw those but no but I, they reminded me of you you've seen Space right yes yes <laughs> it reminded me very much of Space like suddenly here's this very cinematic mm. action sequence in a sitcom mm. like where did this come from this feels like a film yeah. and it was very much like that and that's and uh the the Russo brothers who did Captain America 2 also mm-hmm. from Community and Arrested Development like it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about comedy sort of being the last edgy yes it's the like last where these people are cutting their teeth and then kind of coming up you know yeah. it's interesting see because the problem i think with drama right now is that edginess is just you know it it's supposed to be edgy you can't have there, a... we all remember the 90s with the manufactured edginess like, yes that's not that's not what you're talking about. No, I you're mean talking about but, actual things that push the boundaries. Yeah, I mean, but now most of the drama is still in the shadow of something like the X Files or Twin Peaks. I'm assuming, you know. Right. Whereas comedy it, itself has not had a chance to be more than comedy for a long time. Well, comedy always has to be like in in a way like comedy can evolve, obviously, and it does. Mm. But comedy is always in essence very base because you can dress it up as much as you want but if you don't get a laugh yep. it's pointless so you still have to have that that kernel of you know yeah. of truth there and i think that's what separates comedy from from other art forms is that you know like you could have the most highbrow comedy in the world but you're still probably going to laugh if somebody falls down like it's still exactly. got that element of you know like arrested development can get so incredibly complex on 10 different layers but you're still gonna laugh when joe rides by on his ridiculous looking segue you know that's just See, funny and just thinking about that makes me laugh yeah like he wants to be taken seriously on that thing look at him yeah it's ridiculous i, I guess figuring out that base nugget that's going to be universal like comedy in let's say a piece of marketing or in the way you portray yourself is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have not gotten to that very often. <laughs> well, my my general comedic philosophy is comes from my like I I mean more in my adult life, but it starts with like you could draw a through line from like the airplane movies, like Airplane, mm. Naked Gun, those movies through the 90s Simpsons like the the philosophy of throw everything you possibly can something's going to stick if that right. joke doesn't work mystery science theater was like that too like hmm. there were in a minute there were 10 different jokes and a couple of them were super highbrow and went over your your head some of them were groaners but a couple of them landed and a couple of laughs a minute is pretty good so yeah the, and and I think I've applied that philosophy to my creative stuff is like just keep putting stuff out there somebody's going to react to something right 
that's like overall what I do in comedy, what I do in everything, I think. It's just, okay, not all of it's going to be great, but it's going to keep coming. So something, you're going to like one of these. Yeah. No, and that's, that. that is a, especially for, for my illustration work, it, I need to start doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I know that that is sort of the, the key to it all, that you just keep putting stuff out there. Oh, d- yeah. yeah, and it sounds so easy. J- yeah. Just keep making art. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> keep making art and then try not to be lying awake at four in the morning thinking <laughs> that your entire life has been a waste. Don't don't get so personally attached that you get sad when people don't notice that you're making art. Yeah. Just keep making it. Yeah, that the people ignoring you is also a, a thick skin that you need to develop as soon as you can. <laughs> I still haven't. I haven't. I still will spend, and, and again, it comes back to the in, the inverse proportion thing. The the stuff that I spend the most time on, and I put out there, and it's like, hmm. here it is. Now everyone's gonna love me, and no. uh, uh, nothing. Yeah. But then I'll just dust a tweet off, just like here's yeah. a funny thing I thought of, and suddenly you're like fifty favorites. Like, <laughs> what? what the, come on. <laughs> yes, that's happened you to me a couple of times, and it's 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 unnerving as to what people. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm not I really don't want to turn this to all about me. I'm just using examples for me. I'm sure you yeah, have Yeah, no, no, but we have uh, we are in the same we, I mean we met because of Twitter, so we know that yeah. as a as a touch point, you know. Yeah. It, because and in some ways Twitter is our marketing. It it is. I mean, it's weird because I can never again, I can never predict, but hmm. like I'll put something on Facebook and Twitter and some days it will it will sink and some days it will float and it's never like I never have something that does well on both platforms. It's right. like sometimes Facebook decides they like it and Twitter doesn't or vice versa. It's and, weird. And it's, and getting down to like the nuts and bolts of it now, Facebook does not encourage you to become, let's say, a viral hit in the way that you used to be uh, unless you pay them. Yeah. And I learned this recently that yeah. uh, I, I made a People have been bugging me forever. Like, why don't you have a Facebook page? Why don't you have a Facebook page? And all the local comedians I know have them. It's like, all right, fine, I will do it. And then I discovered there are currently nine. It's hovering at 99. It bugs me because mm. I don't have an even hundred. <laughs> there are 99 people who like the Algar Productions page yeah. on Facebook. And when I put a notification out there, I think 15 of them see it. Yeah, because now you get that whole that, that page reach thing. Yeah, you have to pay yeah. Facebook for people who follow it to see it. Yeah, I mean, someone... What is that? Yeah, someone I, uh, I, I sort of know... Uh, put out a video recently and you know I, I saw the thing and it said 600 likes I'm like oh that's good you know yeah, 600 people mm-hmm. but then I looked about and it said sponsored post uh, and I'm, I'm thinking that's fine that's the way they run their business they're in the business of advertising and one day I might do that as well if the economics of it makes sense but yeah but you it's know. very disingenuous because you think you yeah. have like like using my example, I have ninety nine fans. I have ninety nine people who specifically said I voluntarily want to see these updates. Yeah, and they don't get to see them most of them. Yeah, that's that's not like when you follow someone on Twitter, you will see what they say. That seems hmm. logical, you know. Yeah, but even Twitter is, I think, trying to get into that. I I like yeah. I said, I got a new phone, so now I actually use Twitter on my phone sometimes, and uh-huh. you know. I've never actually used the Twitter app before. I've only been on TweetTech, which is still, even though Twitter's taken it over, a very simple, you know, you don't get a lot of the clutter, you don't get... Whereas now when you put on the Twitter app, it's like, hey, here is uh, this, 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 uh, play this game, 
on this here's thing. what you missed is the thing yeah now. oh yeah yeah here's, here's, what here's you some missed. tweets that you probably saw two hours ago anyway but here they yeah. are again yeah it's ridiculous i just i like i mean i'd like to be in that here's what you missed thing but uh, <laughs> i don't yeah, know if i want to what pay the algorithm it. yeah but also like to get back to we have you and i have uh, you know that's sort of our arena is twitter hmm. i think the reason i like it and i probably you as well is because it's so simple because yes. These are the people who have subscribed to my particular newsletter and mm. everything I say goes to them. Yeah. And that's why I have no problem, you know, retweeting people left, right and center who make something, who say something funny, you know, because I don't oh, think yeah. of that as clutter. I think, okay, if you are following me, you like a certain sense of humor. Usually. Yeah, I, I yeah. trust your judgment. Like, yeah. I, I'm not just seeing everything that you come up with. I'm seeing things filtered through. Yeah. Like, if you think it's funny, I like your sense of humor, so I'm probably going to laugh too. Yeah. Whereas, Absolutely. Where, whereas the I'm, same with... Oh, go ahead. No, I said I, I don't really share that much on Facebook compared to Twitter because the audience there is people I went to high school with and they're just sort of... They're there because they know me, not because they like me, you know? Yeah, I... It's weird because I have some of that and then I have some listeners. I, I did this thing for a while in my reviews where I said, become my friend on Facebook because I thought that was what you were supposed to do. Like, I didn't really get what Facebook was at that point. Right. So I have a fair amount of friends on there who are people I've never met who like right. stuff that I do. So I, I, I have a lot okay. of people on from Twitter, and I also have a lot of people who think that I'm an Indian film director. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, and I, I assume you occasionally will get like a friend request from you know if you appear on one of our shows and people hmm. oh I know that guy or I'll you know right, I like him right. let's see what he's about. Yeah, that that happens once in a while. Yeah. Or any other like venture you do where you touch, you know, other social media where like yeah, I mean, I'm people want to. I'm trying to be out there more. Like I said, we've, mm. I've been thinking about okay, what could I do on YouTube? What could I do on, you know, Twitter is has been a great sort of learning experience for me since I was basically an introverted hermit for most of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's been nice as a it's a nice way to not be social in the traditional way but at least have you know it's a it's a baby step and then I, but i mean we're talking and we've been talking for hmm. a long time like you and i like hmm. i consider you a friend now we've hmm. never met we met through twitter hmm. so it does work as a social platform it does and i've made more friends through twitter that i would consider friends now you know a lot of the most of the time when i go to india i end up meeting twitter people that's fantastic. I know yeah. you met our mutual friend Ashwin not too long yes. ago. Yes, and, and we, like, I, I know he, you through him. <laughs> uh -huh. You know? And then because of me, you know a bunch of other people that exactly. you one day might meet. Like, hmm. who knows? And it's just, it's. I, I love that. I love that we have this platform. Yeah. And, and, the, and it's not like, especially when we got on Twitter, it was not like we were getting there to market to people. I know there are people no. who get on Twitter for the marketing, you know, uh, and anyone, I mean, even Facebook, Instagram, whatever all the kids are using now, what is it? Snapchat or something? <laughs> I don't know. Dick pic. I don't know. Uh, you know, everyone is trying to either large companies or small people, they're trying to figure out that. Like, how do we use this to market something? Oh, and that's the funniest thing in the world to me when when a company, particularly old media, hmm. but any company, tries to say, okay, let's start using hashtags. We know how to do that. No, you don't. Come on. 
And there's, I mean, I say this as someone who is 40 and probably doesn't know what the the new hotness is and probably couldn't make my way on, I don't know, Ello or people still using that. I don't <laughs> know. Probably not. <laughs> but, you know, I'm... like, I, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of Tumblr, let's say. Like, yeah. I use it, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I've never been able to crack that nut. But but we recognize that. Hmm. That's the difference between us and the marketing department of a of a particular company is we yeah. recognize that. Yeah. We don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, I just this last week, one of the people that I met as a, as a potential client wanted to make a website, um, mm-hmm. and he's younger than me, probably more you know definitely more educated than me in a much more of a let's say a technical field. Okay, um, and. His, and it's not just him, but there are a lot of people like this. Their idea of how the internet works is not as sophisticated or com- comprehensive as, say, people uh, who are older than them. Like, of our, you know, like you were saying, the generation, people who are 40, between 40 and let's say 30 now. Right. Because we had. We had a notion of the of computers or technology of the internet before the internet. You know, you knew what a More computer. Less, yeah. yeah, you knew what a computer was. You knew how a telephone sort of worked, how networks sort of connected. So your 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 idea of the internet was sort of built up over time. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just a thing that existed. Yeah, it for wasn't your just a thing. Life. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So so now I end up meeting people and. They're like, oh, but so you know, so what? I'm I'm buying this domain. What's hosting? Uh, I said hosting is like where your, the files are. Yeah, <laughs> the files are in the computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I don't necessarily think that's an age thing. I do no. think it's an interesting observation that that yeah, our your generation and my generation sort of grew up with the changes yeah. and kind of got to see it evolve, but. I, I think there are young people who know a lot more about it than we do, and Definitely. I think there are old people, and and you know vice versa. But I, I think part of it is the willingness to be immersed in it. There are people yeah. who see it as a tool, and there are people who see it as just like like an appendage. Yeah. <laughs> like tw- so somebody said, I, I was complaining. Oh, it was Amanda last time I was recording post atomic horror in our in my home studio here, and she, and uh, Twitter when I get a, a message or a DM or whatever, it it makes a little noise and mm. and. I was like, sorry, I can't turn that off. And she's like, you could just quit Twitter. And I, I seriously, that was not joking. I just looked at her blankly for a minute. What What do you mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I could. It's, it's just always on. I don't know. It's just, that's my window. That's my, like, I know what my friends are up to that way. Yeah. And it's not a marketing tool. It's just a communication tool. Yeah. I don't know. No, you I'm, know what I mean? Yeah, I'm saying that... For people like us who are very analytical about, you know, now we're making an entire podcast about self-marketing. We uh-huh. are we are looking at, we are trying to sell to people who may not even understand how we are delivering our ads to them, you know, in some ways. <laughs> right. You know, where they're like, oh, sarcastic voice, that shows up on my Facebook sometimes, but it doesn't always show up. They may not even think this far, you know. They're like, right. when it shows up, sarcastic voice shows up. It's on my Facebook. Right, you know, no, they I don't know. They don't know what a browser is. They don't know that you can, what Google is. They don't, you know. Yeah. They know Facebook, and and you know, 
Facebook has so been trying to make the internet into Facebook in, with this whole other venture they have called internet.org which is hopefully going to die. <laughs> well and that and that I I'm not aware of that specifically but hmm. I, in broad terms it sounds like what AOL was doing back in the day. Yeah. It's it's where people don't have this notion of the physicality of computing. They think that the cloud is actually a cloud. <laughs> and I'm I wish I was joking. No, I know. You know, and these are educated people younger than us, older than us, you know. They're not stupid in any definable way. It's just that it's not important to them to understand. In the same way that it's not important for me to understand how, you know, a train system works. Right. As you long know, as the train shows up on time, it doesn't yeah, really matter. I My interface with it is the train shows up and I get in and it, you know, I could think because I'm that kind of nerd, I will think about, uh, you know, how the trains are, uh, how they're shunted together, how they're distributed, how sure. they're, you know, how power is delivered, how you open the doors and all that. But that's because I'm that kind of nerd and everyone is not a nerd. Right. Even if you are marketing to nerds, they are not, these are not the nerds you are necessarily looking for. Well, and that, <laughs> nice. That's, that's a, I don't know, that's to me the difference between marketing and pandering. There hmm. is definitely, and I've seen this as, as nerd cultures become more mainstream, hmm. an element of pandering. There's definitely yes. like, you will see, like Matt's shorthand for it is slap a TARDIS on it. Like, right. To make something marketable, okay, well, you like Star Wars quotes, this has a Star Wars quote, so you're going to buy it now. And unfortunately, you're always going to have that. It's never going to not yeah. exist. But I see that more, like, as I've watched Emerald City become more of a presence. Like, hmm. there's a lot more, like, thankfully, it's it's mostly still people who are in the culture selling to people of their own kind. But every now and then you get these clueless people just coming in and, like, Hey, you nerds will buy anything with Twilight on it. Here's some Twilight crap. And right. the problem is they do. Mm, they do. Yeah. The problem is they're right. That's where that's where it kills me. It's not that the people yeah. are pandering. It's that people are pandered to and it works. People watch the Big Bang Theory, you know? Mm. Like, ah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Letting I mean, them win. Yeah, I, I've tried watching the Big Bang Theory. And it's The problem is not that it panders to nerds, is it's not funny. <laughs> well, I... And it, I ha- it it positions itself as being like an insider thing, and it's just hmm. not right. And, and the thing is, I've liked things from that creator before. I watched Dharma and Greg, <laughs> and I, I was perfectly fine watching Dharma and Greg. Well, that that guy's making the new Muppet Show, so I hope yeah. he's okay. Yeah, we'll see. It, it, that, I, I would just like to point out for for the nerds out there that it actually takes me a special effort to say Dharma. Is are, do we say it wrong? Is that dharma? Is how we ah. say it, but it's a soft D sound. Right. I I kind of hear the difference. Hmm. It's, the, it's kind it's, of like it's the V and W thing all over again. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, where we talked about this before. I don't know if it made it to the podcast, hmm. but we talked about how you don't like just you. Yeah. you don't have the difference in your mind. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that, a v and a w. that neither of us have some of the things that Mandarin speakers have, for instance. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, know? it's just that our languages don't have every letter that exists. Yeah, like, and, and your your you brain know. your is sort of shaped a lot by that, you know. Oh yeah, your language very much defines the way you think. Yeah. So. No, it's like 
suppose uh, i in american tv shows and movies when mm. you have a british actor do mm-hmm. you always notice that their accent is slightly off mm, only the bad ones okay <laughs> like i notice because i have an ear for voices right. i would right. say but i don't think most people do yeah that's the thing i'm not sure most people do but for me it's like it bothers the hell out of me i'm like that guy is australian <laughs> now you you notice americans and english or are you just talking about i'm talking accents about in general people putting on an american accent in an oh, no no but i'm talking about broadly are you talking about actors from one place faking an accent from another place or are you specifically talking about american accents mm, i don't mind it, it, it it i minded it in let's say you know big example slum dog millionaire where i just could not get into it because the writing was just not indian you know what i mean right and we were talking about this just before the we started recording where you can get to let's say 90% of the cadence and the cultural specific way of talking just by immersing yourself in a culture right but know? there's always going to be some nuance there's going that to be you're that, not going to yeah. catch and my problem with Slumdog Millionaire, I have never been able to watch more than 10 minutes of it, and I have not, <laughs> is that none of those people, if for a film shot in India, mm-hmm. with Indian actors, you know, so this is extra strange, there was no one on set going, yeah, you, we, this is not how you'd say this. <laughs> so you an know? Indian consultant, basically. Yeah, and and I also understand from a design standpoint that they were not making an Indian movie, they were making a movie for international western audiences and you know right and talking in that specific indian way need not be you know but i think audiences can be smarter than that you know everyone does not need to just devolve to base normal well i mean the reason that we have stock characters and and stereotypes and stuff is cuz it is a shorthand but yeah. you then you get into some very dangerous territory there you get right. into you know no, but let's say like, that culturally specific things the let's say you talk about the way people talk in the north of the us was very specific to let's say a film like fargo mm-hmm. right and that was clear to me it's not like I need they did needed to talk like California Valley girls for me to understand it. However, hmm. interesting that you would bring up that example. My dad grew up in that area. Right. Ah, and see, he, hate, he, he hates that movie because mm-hmm. he thinks they're making fun of their accent and okay. he's, it sounds terrible. Okay. So it's like everybody like I think you can't that's win. just the type of nerd, you hmm. know. Well, that's just a type of nerd thing. It's just a yeah. like you're always going to notice some detail that they didn't get quite right and the difference is, are you gonna like? Are you gonna let it bother you, or are you just yeah. gonna let go and enjoy it? Yeah, but and I, I, the good things, like we were saying, they go past all those. Uh, yeah, you you're aware fully that it's you know it's like we we love Mad Men, obviously we are completely mm-hmm. aware that it's a piece of fiction that the sixties weren't actually like that. No, no, it's you the sixties through the lens of, of now, yeah. and they can retroactively say. This sexism was bad. This homophobia was bad. This this yeah. racism was bad. But at the time, that was just part of the culture, and you couldn't, mm. you know, you couldn't call attention to that. It just was sort of ingrained in what people yeah. did. Or you know, but, you watch Downton Abbey, and no one talked that well. Where you know, every conversation was only three perfect crystal cut lines. Well, <laughs> in in in, I'm not going to say in that show's defense because it has no defense. But oh, I love that, that show, show. Is nothing but a 
broad like melodrama it is like i, I love the fact that it's entirely a bro- broad melodrama with some of the most concise writing i've ever seen it yeah and with some of like the best actors working mm. now but still it is it is i it would not be out of place for someone on that show to tie someone to the railroad tracks exactly and see there that comes back to that sort of that nugget of of universal culture people uh-huh. can watch downton abbey without ever having any appreciation let's say for the dialogue and still enjoy right. it yeah you know you can but show it to again, you can probably show it to people who don't even speak english and they'd understand it i think they would probably get the the broad yeah. strokes yeah they might not understand the words obviously but they would get yeah, yeah okay these people are rich these people are not but um i don't know like i say i think there's a difference between like cultural shorthand which i would say is a good thing hmm. like being able to as a writer the economy of writing being able to in three lines in one minute of screen time whatever for you to be able to get the gist of what someone is doing hmm. is a good thing you don't yes. want to spend a lot of time explaining what they're yeah. about you want to get on with it yeah the shorter but, the better right but on the other hand hmm. that can turn into lazy oh, stereotypes yes. and cultural like insensitivity yeah. and something like slumdog where this is about india but there's nothing really recognizably indian in it yeah know? no and i'm i know many indians who found slumdog millionaire perfectly fine it you might know? just be that you're a nerd and you're nitpicking yeah. <laughs> like this is the no well actually no <laughs> yeah i mean i just could not uh i could not be entertained by it mm-hmm You know? I haven't seen it, so I couldn't yeah. say one more. I'm, I'm. Maybe it is perfect. You know, maybe it will win me over one day. I'm, I'm fully willing to, you know, say yeah. that it's an unknown. But off what I've seen, there were these things that put me off. You know. Mm-hmm. No, and uh, you know, I, I will be totally honest with you. I am largely ignorant of Indian culture, so I probably wouldn't know. I mean, yeah. My, my no, most I'm... of my exposure to Indian culture comes from talking to you. Okay. <laughs> I just like and it's like we were talking about before like Bollywood movies for you know don't really like there isn't any hmm. over here like you're not going to go to the Cineplex and see you know in Seattle you probably could find Bollywood movies there will be independent theaters yes, yes. absolutely and we actually have a fairly sizable I I know we have a strong Asian community hmm. here I assume we also have a, a fairly substantial like uh uh Indian Pakistani hmm. you know that that region as well right. but I don't actually know that Yeah. But I I know like in Vancouver, which is only a couple hours north of here, mm. there there is like there are like Indian film festivals mm-hmm. and like all kinds of sort of things. So I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, Toronto and Vancouver and you know it has a huge large uh, South Asian community. Well, yeah, it's it, I mean, when I was on the East Coast, it, it was mostly European immigrants and I think on the West Coast you get more hmm. Asian immigrants. I mean, that makes sense. They crossed that ocean. They didn't also want to cross a continent, you know. They they got here and they're here. No, and also the the weather, you know, with we're, uh, we're mostly from subtropical areas. You don't want to go somewhere that's too far out of right. You know. Although to hear you describe your time in India like it is it is much more comfortable here. <laughs> uh yeah, but well, this time it certainly was. It's it's just a matter of, you know, the place I was in at the time and right. the amount of just I was just not prepared for it. Right. No, I understand. Because the stupid thing is it's like now I'm in Dubai, it's much hotter in Dubai, but I'm 
I'm not dying every time I go out because I don't go out as much, you know. <laughs> I don't need to. And also for some reason I guess I've acclimatized to the drier heat here. Right. No, that happens and hmm. you know, when I when I was looking to move out here from the east coast, I was I every place I toured didn't have air conditioning and I just like wh- where is the air conditioner? And they would just laugh at me like, no, 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 no. We don't need that here. What, what do you mean you don't? Of course you need it. Yes, you need it to survive. Everyone knows you need yes. air conditioning no. to survive. Here, you really only need it for about two weeks out of the year. Huh? That's good. That's very strange. Yeah. Anyway, we've strayed a bit off topic. And I think we've I think we've rambled a bit. So yes. uh, might want to wrap this up. You, hmm. you were probably looking at the sun coming up soon. So. No, it's, it's just 2 a.m. here. Oh, okay. Well, that's not too bad then. Very, any any final thoughts? Anything you, um, you wanted to cover that we didn't get to, or I don't know. I think we 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 well established, and obviously by by now most people listening know that we do not know our shit. <laughs> I know, but we have a lot of ideas, hmm. and we're we haven't been crushed yet. We have, yeah, we have. Look, we're we're honest enough to say that we do not know all the answers. Which is what, which is a lot of what I see on the internet. That's something we didn't bring up. That uh, again, before we were recording, I was saying that I think that the only people who make money blogging on the internet are people who tell you how to make money blogging. Yeah, and maybe mm-hmm. there are people who make money actually blogging about things other than making money blogging, <laughs> but they're very quiet about it. <laughs> and rightly yeah. so, I guess. If you know, if there is a certain way to do it, you don't necessarily want to be. Saying, hey, look, I found this way. Now make a million sites like BuzzFeed. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. Oh, God. No. And, no, and, no, no, and no. no the, and the thing is, BuzzFeed was a model that, because, you know, I've been doing this enough and for long enough and, you know, you, you come across these things. That BuzzFeed model was something that internet blogging marketers would say was a way to do things before, yeah. you know, like in 2006 or seven. I remember people saying that, you know what, you should have these sites where they're just like... You know, gifs and all that, and people are be like, "What the hell are you talking about? That's not content." No, people and don't want to look at that. Yeah, well, it turns out they it really turns do. out they do. So you know, someone's turns right. Out put put way more effort into the headline that yeah. gets them to the website than and, what the what's actually there. <laughs> and and in that case, the the good thing to take from that is that even something like that, something like BuzzFeed, even when it was small, was a lot of work. Yeah, and that that's the same thing that I this this client that I was uh, potential client that I was meet, meeting. Um, mm-hmm. That's the thing we because he wanted to start a website. He didn't quite have a he had a good idea, but it was not quite. He had no real notion of the technical side of things. And right. the only thing that we wanted to impress upon him was that it is a lot of work. You know, yes. you're going to have to set up the Facebook page and do the weekly YouTube things or if you want Kickstarter you're going to have to do your you know your weekly updates and, and incentives and get people and keep people in the loop in some ways keep uh-huh. you know keep putting yourself out there keep putting your product out there keep not necessarily selling your product just saying that you know what it's there it exists because it's not if you don't say it it somehow people will forget it yeah people like Pe- their people's attentions are so divided that yeah. if you don't constantly remind them you exist they will not notice because and, ten thousand other things do and coming back to our idea of sort of our place in the universe our work is insignificant you know yeah in people's lives in in everyday people's lives people have to get up they have to go to work they have to do their job you are their entertainment 
Yep. The internet is their entertainment. That BuzzFeed article, whether it's outraging them or you know making them laugh or making them cry, it's still at some level entertainment. Right. Because they're not really going to do anything, even if they're outraged. You know, it's they just read it. They'll have yep. a emotional reaction, and then they'll move on to the next thing. That is the definition of entertainment. Right, and that as our like as content creators, hmm. uh, what we're trying to do is to them get their attention for that yes. period of time that's it to get literally for, for the five or ten minutes of their time if you can consistently give them that right. that is the road to something yes even if it's theory. not the destination <laughs> to something it's the road to something well and i yeah. think that's really what separates might be what's holding us back i don't hmm. know but that's what separates us from from maybe the more like successful slash cynical people is we have uh, if you want to put a good spin on it, artistic integrity. We want to make right. something that we think is worth looking at rather yeah. than just boiling it down to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, I mean, I've for years, I've always wanted to make some kind of movie-like thing. You mm-hmm. know, some kind of either live-action or animated, probably animated, you know, because I'm a megalomaniac and I'm sitting in my uh, living room and I don't have an army of people, <laughs> you know. Some kind of thing. And the thing that keeps me back is that I don't want it to suck. Like, right right out of the gate. Because you think, oh my God, you know, what will people say? Or worse, people just won't even link uh, to you or click on it or, you know, share it or whatever in this this economy of social media. And you're not wrong. And we all have that. Like every, every, the people who make the most content down to the people mm. who don't get anything out have that exact same fear. But for me, the next step is then, okay, what's worse? That it sucks yeah. or that it doesn't exist at all? Exactly. And that should be your motivating thing all the time. Yeah. But you know what? I'm making something. It may yeah. not be the best thing in the world, but I'm sort of not the judge of that. Because yeah. I know, it's like yesterday I put up a drawing that I didn't really care for. But, you know, I got a favorite, Adam Witt, our friend on Twitter. Uh-huh. He's like, this is really cool. And then I literally look at it again and think, is it really cool? I didn't think so, but <laughs> yeah, it's not terrible. You know? Yeah, sure. I don't know, like, this show, More hmm. Bits, yes. gets attention that my other stuff doesn't. And I, for me, it's like, okay, all I do is talk to people I know or people hmm. I'm interested in and just talk for a while. There's nothing to that. There's yeah. very little prep involved. There's very little post-production involved. It's just, I'm going to talk to my friend Vishal about subjects of mutual interest. And hmm. for some reason, some people want to hear that. And like, Hey, okay. I, I'm one of those people. I like to listen to people talking things like this and, and i'm glad you do and i hmm. don't it's not to you know it's not to put down anybody who enjoys this i'm yeah. glad they do but i for me it was a, it was a struggle to say yeah okay but there's these other things that i put a lot more polish on that are that are exactly. really like like i put out 30 to 40 minutes every three weeks of hmm. polished comedy that is very produced and very like streamlined and, hmm. and i'm so proud of it and you just want to hear me talk off the cuff okay right yeah, that's it's, that it's, is a, you know. Yeah. And it's like I've seen you post, you know, <laughs> doodles, hmm. and sometimes they'll get more attention than things that you put a lot of exactly, work into. Exactly, exactly. That's just how it works. <laughs> and I guess, 
as creative people, as self-marketers, we need to reckon with the fact that both of those things are important. Mm-hmm. You know, your your doodle, your finished work, your sketch, your just rambling about. They're, right. They're, they're, you need to respect that they're a part of you, you know. Even right. if you are not, as as much as you have to also respect that other people may see things that you don't see in them, you should also respect that they're from you. So you know, right? It it it's again, it's a sort of very existential thing where you're like, okay, this is you don't have ownership of it, but you should respect it. Right. You know. No, it's difficult because it's hard to separate yourself from the art. As yeah. Well. Because you have obviously favorites, and you want people to like yeah, the things you, you like most. Yeah, you most. want people to see things through your world. That's when you, you know. Right. When even now we're talking like the, uh, for the last couple of hours, we want people to see our point of view. Right. You know, and they're probably never going to. No, they're they're it, they're going to read something even if they agree with everything. They're going to understand something completely off their own selves. You know. Right, and it it's like that that concept of uh, I used to have a real problem with this, and as I get older, I don't. Hmm. The idea that uh, like a literature class at a college hmm. will discuss a book and will discuss themes that were never intended in the book right. that may be entirely antithetical to the original themes, but that doesn't matter. That is now what the book is about because that is what people are you know hmm. reading into it. And there's a point where the the work becomes its own independent thing. Yes. It's not necessarily about your intention anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think as long as the author is alive and they have a say in it, I will listen to that author over oh, absolutely. other people. You know, it's like people get very upset with J.K. Rowling about, you know, something or the other in the Harry Potter universe. And right. I'm like, no, she's the author. That As long as she's around, you have to listen to her. You know? Right. But on the other hand, if uh, whatever subculture wants to say... Hmm. This is about us. Yeah. This, this book is obviously, even even if she says it's not, yeah. eh, too bad. They've kind of decided that it is. Well, yes, but it's also, you don't need to, um, they don't have become the only voice in it, you know? No, 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 no. No, it's like we and, were saying and, yeah, before. There's, as long there's as, infinite subcultures, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and as long as you keep that in mind, you know, where there's not one single monolithic entity, right. either a group or a person, you know, even yeah. you as the person making the thing. Right. You know, just, it, it doesn't it doesn't become just yours once you put it out yeah. in the world. It's just basically, I, I mean, the, the gist of all of we're saying is just let it go. Just put it out there. Yep. You know, well, it, and for it, me, it's just about going to the next thing. Yeah. That's the easiest way keep, to do that. Keep making things. Keep putting them out there. That is literally yep. the thing my brother and I say to each other every day. What do we do? Just make things, put them out there. <laughs> yep. Are you finished with that thing? To move on to the next thing. Yeah. All right. Right. Uh, this this was fantastic. This is a lot longer than I expected, <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. Uh, do you want to do you want to throw a plug out there? Speaking uh, of advertising. Yeah. Um. Uh. I'm Alvishal on Twitter. That's generally where I am most active right now. I also have mm-hmm. Alvishal.com, and uh, I will try to be more active there because I it needs it, and you know, uh, but. Mm-hmm. Find me online. I'm in most social medias. You know, I'm not a film and director. And he is a delight. What's that? I am a delight who is not a film director. Yet. <laughs> no, you are not that film director. No. I might be another one one day, but we'll see how that pans yeah. out. Yeah. 
This show was produced by me, Ron Algar-Watt, and featured Vishal Baradwash. To learn more about Vishal, follow him on Twitter, at AlVishal, or check out AlVishal.com. To learn more about me, visit Algar.com. That's double A-L-G-A-R.com. Thanks for listening.